0: Well, hello friends. My name is Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge and I want to welcome you into this space and the time that we're going to spend together. Uh, Every week here at Jericho, we look into God's Word as our source of truth and guidance for our lives, whether online or in person, and uh, we're going to do that together today. I don't know uh, about you, but... I'm finding it a little bit difficult to figure out a rhythm to my days these days. Uh, All of the days are a little bit fuzzy and blurry. They all blend together. And trying to establish any level of rhythm is tricky. It is getting difficult to tell days apart from each other. And I think it just begins to get disorienting to spend extended times uh, in our homes in isolation. And at the same time, As it gets blurry, I'm finding it increasingly that life is is increasingly unpredictable. We just don't know what is going to happen tomorrow because the rate at which things are changing and the uncertainty from not knowing how all of this is going to play itself out uh, can be a challenge for us to deal with. I know our natural human tendency in times like this is to kind of pull inward, and to try and protect and defend. It's to close ourselves in, to put up barriers when uncertainty is there. Uh, Not just the social distancing barriers that are appropriately and effectively in place, but emotional barriers, financial barriers, and relational ones. And that just seems to have happened quickly. I was thinking just earlier this week I went for a run and people were a meter apart on the sidewalk and waving nicely to each other, and then suddenly toward the end of this week it's like people are crossing over onto the other side of the street and they don't even want to make eye contact with you. Or you're standing in a lineup at Costco giving somebody the side eye thinking that they may just get to that last carton of toilet paper before you do and you don't want that to happen. It seems like we're settling into a new normal of protectionism, a guardedness. And it's human nature in times like this to think in terms of scarcity and protection. But I want us for a few moments today to look at the life of Jesus. And we've been studying that here at Jericho Ridge through the Gospel of Mark. And There's two specific examples in Jesus' life that I want us to explore together that can help us make two critical movements in our own lives that, especially during times of crisis, I'm convinced are necessary for us to flourish as human beings, for us to flourish as a community, and for us to see others around us flourish as well. Well, when we look at Jesus' life in the Gospel of Mark, one of the things that we see again and again is that Jesus is always purposely self-isolating. Jesus practiced this discipline regularly. He took himself away, and his purpose in self-isolation was not to avoid the crowds. His purpose was to connect more deeply with God. We read in Mark chapter 1, for example, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus was always spending time with God for the purpose then of knowing and orienting himself that he could move and step into the lives of others with impact and with effectiveness. And so we're in a season right now, friends, of of self-isolation, and I want to ask us a question to explore and to reflect on, and that is, how are you doing at using this time to deepen your connection with God during this season of isolation? We want to help you here at Jericho Ridge, not just give you a you should do this, but give you some tools for that. And so if you're subscribed to our Jericho Ridge e-news, then tomorrow on Monday, we're going to send you out a link. And we've arranged for a subscription for all of us to an app called Dwell, which is an audio Bible. And I want us to just spend time deepening our connection with God and in God's word over this time. And I've started to use this app over the last couple of weeks, and it's been a wonderful tool to be able to deepen connection and engagement with God So if you are not signed up for uh, e-news, just go to the front page of our website JerichoRidge.com scroll all the way down to the bottom Click sign up and then make sure that you're getting the right information from us And we'll send this out to you tomorrow so that you can get a link uh, to that app and that'll be free uh, account for you we've arranged for two months through till the end of May for all of us collectively, to spend time deepening our connection with God. And Jesus understood this balance, though. Jesus was not just a person of contemplation that went away into the desert and spent time with God. Jesus also moved to places of action, because the purpose that Jesus was alone with God was so that he could be present with others in their time of need. And so that's the first movement that I want for us to make as individuals and as a community and to understand. This movement from purposeful isolation to intentional compassion. Moving from isolation, being with God, to compassion, being with others in the world is an important move to make we see this evidenced in Mark's Gospel in chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open them and turn there with me. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, starting in verse 24. Jesus left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying at. He was hoping for some purposeful isolation, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit and she begged Jesus to cast out the demon from her daughter. You can see a, a picture of this uh, from the Renaissance era. We came across this when we were visiting uh, the Louvre uh, Museum in Paris a few summers. And it pictures this woman and her desperation that her child needs something. And she finds and searches out this man, Jesus. Let's keep reading in verse 26. Since, the text says, she was a Gentile, born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, first... I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews, the Jewish people. It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, this seems to us like a cutting remark, like Jesus is making a dismissive or snide interchange. But let's keep reading, and we'll explore this together. The woman is quick on her feet, and she says, verse 28, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, Jesus said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found that her little girl was lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. It seems to us like this is a cutting exchange, but archaeologists tell us in the first century that there were little dogs in the ancient world. And the word here for little dogs is like pocket dogs, or literally in the Greek, it's cute little doggies. And first century archaeologists tell us that these cute little doggies were a little bit like pocket dogs that celebrities or people carry around with them all the time these days. Archaeologists tell us that food was scarce in the first century ancient world, and so you didn't have cute little doggies as pets unless you were really well off. In recent Bible for Normal People podcast, Sarah Rudin, who is a poet, uh, she's a Quaker scholar, she's a PhD in classical philology from Harvard, and she notes that in pagan literature, the time that cute little doggies get scraps from the table is at a lavish banquet feast, a banquet that's infinite, in its generosity. And so we understand from that that this reference, actually Jesus is talking about the banquet that God is setting in heaven at the end of all time and is welcoming people into. We're to understand that the heavenly feast that God is preparing is so lavish and so generous and so rich and overflowing with all that is needed that even the little doggies underneath the table are stuffed and satiated with everything they need. For the very dogs to get enough is incredible. See, the readers understand this in the first century And they see, oh, what Jesus is saying here to this woman is not dismissive in any way. He's actually saying the opposite. He's saying to her, God is enough. Not just for one peoples, the Jews, but for all who seek him and who find him. And the reader is to understand that they are also invited to the banquet to taste and to see that God is good and that God is enough. Jesus is saying to this Canaanite woman, an outsider in God's economy, someone who would be shunned by other people, that there's so much abundance in God's economy that there is always enough. I love the way that Bible teacher and author, Beth Moore, puts this. Riffing off of the Beatitudes, she says, blessed are those who need God enough to know him enough, to know that he is enough. See, friends, if you're listening or if you are watching today, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in or we find ourselves in as a community or globally, you need to hear and be reminded of the truth that God is enough. Blessed are those who know that they need God enough to know him enough, to know that God is Enough. And it's there in that moment of knowing that we can make the second most important movement in a time of crisis. And that is that movement from a place of scarcity to a place of generosity. And friends, we're called not only to believe this in our heads and in our hearts, but to live this out in every part of our lives, with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. While others in the world move to hunker down into places of protectionism, places that say there is not enough and therefore I cannot share what I have with you, as the people of God, we move from places of scarcity to places of generosity, lovingly and with compassion, not because we believe we are enough, But because we know that God is enough and we serve and love a God who is enough. So as we reflect and respond, let me ask you how are you going to practice, how am I going to practice radical generosity during a time that is going to feel like scarcity? Each of us as individuals and as families are going to have to think about this carefully and wisely. And then also we're going to want to, and are starting already to think about what this means for us as a community of faith. How are we going to practice radical generosity during a time that feels like scarcity is the abundant narrative? We already told a story on Thursday about the way in which collectively generosity has begun to be unleashed here in our midst, and we want to continue to step into that. Uh, There are plans afoot to connect churches in Langley that we would have a radical tidal wave of generosity and speak not just to the people of the churches, but speak to those beyond the walls of the church about God's goodness and God's generosity. And so we need to ask as a church, how are we going to practice radical generosity that reaches beyond the walls of the church and touches our city with hope and the message of Jesus? In the coming days, we're going to be putting a plan together. And it's with literally dozens of other churches that we'll work in partnership with thousands and thousands of other Christians who all want to seek the good of our city and unleash a radical tidal wave of generosity into our city in this season. And so we are going to ask you to lean in with us on that. One of the ways that you can do that is to amp up funding toward the Benevolence Fund at Jericho Ridge so that we can meet needs, not just of the household of faith, but of those around us who have needs in this season. This is gonna be our Easter blessing project to the community, and we are excited to be able to respond with hope in practical ways to our neighbors and friends around us. And so I encourage you to keep doing that in your neighborhoods. Keep doing that in the circles of influence where you find yourself. And then we're going to bring those circles together and see what God wants to do in this season in our city. Because, friend, the Father sent the Son who sent the Spirit who sends us into the world And because we go in the authority and the power of the Spirit, that is enough. Let's pray together. God, I am grateful for the way in which you have called your people to live generously, not just in this season, but in every season. And so I ask that you would gift us with faith to see what needs to be done in this time. Gift us with courage and the willingness to move out of places of isolation to places of compassion. Gift us with faith and the resources that we need to be able to be a blessing to those around us for the sake of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.